Welcome to Revenue Rehab, your one-stop destination for collective solutions to the biggest challenges faced by marketing leaders today. Now head on over to the couch, make yourself comfortable, and get ready to change the way you approach revenue. Leading your recovery is modern marketer, author, speaker, and chief operating officer at Tegrita, Brandy Starr. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Revenue Rehab. I am your host, Brandy Starr, and we have another amazing episode for you today. Today, I am joined by Elizabeth Irvine. Elizabeth is the VP of Marketing for Marketing for Market Muse, driving the content, demand generation, and sales enablement initiatives for the organization. Elizabeth spent over eight years at Tech Target five of which were in London, where she built the site marketing department for the new European branch spanning four international markets and languages. She spent a year at Gartner building an audience for their marketing-focused product and also spent a year at an early-stage startup, Code Ocean. Elizabeth joined Market Muse in 2018 as the first full-time marketer and built the marketing structure and automation from the ground up. She organized the marketing launch for Market Muse's first self-service products, launched an affiliate program, and regularly litters the company's Slack with corny quips and the office gifts. Elizabeth, welcome to Revenue Rehab. Your session begins now. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, I'm excited to have you. It's it's. I love that you love the office. Um, it, you know, it's one of those things we hear, we do the Dundies as our uh, team yes. awards. We call them the Teggies. Uh, and for those that are watching on video, you can kind of see my Teggy awards over my shoulder here. Um, and so it's funny because when we say that, a lot of people are like, what's what's the Dundies? And it's like, oh, how do you not know? Uh we unfortunately can't go to Chili's because we're not all in the same <laughs> location, but we do make it a thing um, and, and it's always really fun. Oh, that just made my day. <laughs> <laughs> well, Elizabeth, um, I am so glad to have you. And I always like to start off our sessions with a little bit of a woo-saw moment that I call buzzword banishment. So tell me what industry buzzword would you like to banish forever? Yes, I would like to go with touching clients. The have you have we touched this client recently? Why <laughs> why are we why are we saying that? There's other there's other words that we can use in other phrases that that ask the question of have we contacted this customer recently? It, I cringe every time. <laughs> yeah, when you say it that way, it does come across a little creepy. <laughs> <laughs> And it's because everything is about the touch points. It takes this many touch points to get their attention. You know, how often should we touch them? Uh, and yeah. I never really thought about it that way. But um, <laughs> yeah, that, that we should definitely find another word for mm. that. Even uh, touch point is better. <laughs> yeah, as I say, instead of, you know, how often are or we touching it. them? Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> 
we probably we shouldn't do that. That that can get yeah. us into trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I will make sure to not talk about touching clients today. Um, <laughs> and so now that we've gotten that off our chest, tell me what brings you to revenue rehab today. Sure. We're talking event sponsorships, to be or not to be. And I am very, very pro to be. Um, after running a lot of sponsorships, both run, both running events and sponsoring events, um, it's, yeah, excited to excited to dive deeper. Awesome. Yeah. I was going to say, I've got some strong opinions on this one as well, <laughs> so we can see where we align. Um, awesome. But- Before we jump into that, I believe in setting intentions. It gives us focus, it gives us purpose, and most important, it gives our audience an understanding of what they should expect from our conversation. So tell me, what are your hopes for our talk today, or what would you expect to be different after our conversation? Sure. I think there's A lot of opinions and and probably some confusion about whether or not, especially now with with the current market, um, to focus marketing budget on events. And I'd like to talk about what I've what I've seen work and what I've seen not work, and and share um, share some of that with with the group so that those who go in and invest that money into events can put their best foot forward in every possible way. Okay, sounds good. Um, I can say like early in my marketing career, I was the queen of events. Um, You know, I've got, you know, I did a big vending machine. I've got pictures where I was in a green tutu with a wand and uh, a briefcase handcuffed to my wrist because I was (laughs) the prize queen in Vegas. Um, You know, I, uh, while you know, extra pregnant, drove sports cars with clients as a result of uh, an event campaign that we did. So I definitely, in general, have been pro events for most of my career and have absolutely loved planning, participating, executing them. Um, However, as the market has changed, I have become lukewarm Mm -hmm. on events. Um, Not that they're bad, like I don't have a hard line of you should never do them. Mm. But I would say more times than not now, I would opt out um, and just, you know, potentially have a presence in just attending for the networking, but not actually sponsoring. So mm-hmm. I know that you are very pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd love to hear your stance in, in why, you know, why you've been uh, pro events and why you think they're still effective. Mm. It's definitely been scary this year. There, it's We had one in-person event earlier this year that, that didn't go great. And we just wrapped two up in August and September that were probably two of our best events that we've done. Um, and part of that, I think when you look at event sponsorships, if you if you only look at it as those days in the booth when you're there in person and talking with people, you're really missing out on a lot of other opportunities. Um, so we we create a content strategy. We're content focused company, so it's natural, but um, we create a content strategy a few months ahead of the event to to start talking about it and start having 
material that we can send to prospects and um, support the event overall as well. Um, and we'll message folks in our database within a certain radius um, just to see if, if they're going, if they're attending. And when we've gone to an event for previous years, include those, those people as well. So even if they're not going, we have those touch points to go back to people and um, have a reason to, to connect. So I think for the initial thing for me with event sponsorships, it really starts way ahead of time and not, not just relying on those conversations that you have at the booth that are very, very important, but how can you start fostering that earlier on? Okay. And so is the thought process there to really initiate a conversation that makes them want to come to the booth or to just have a parallel conversation with them uh, that even if they're not attending, that it's still relevant? I'd say that a little bit of both, but more the latter. We're not expecting to email um, e email our database and that's going to be the thing that's going to drive them to that event. Um, it's more having a, um, a reason to, to reach out. Um, and we actually had success with that, with this, this event in August that we, that we participated in. That was a really small event. It was only about a hundred people and, uh, really, really focused niche audience. And when we messaged them ahead of time, asking if they were going and if they hadn't registered yet, here's a discount code. We ended up booking half a dozen meetings before the event even started because, there was, there was an alignment of, of priorities. So um, yeah, I think if you think about an event as a full campaign, how do you create a full campaign and a full story? What, what does the nurture look like before and after the event? How can you align your digital strategy to the event sponsorship? It's gonna make that investment even more impactful. Okay, and I think you hit on something key that, uh, I want to dig into a little bit more. You talked about uh, the success of that smaller event. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, my personal opinion, that is the direction I have leaned. You know, mm -hmm. I used to really enjoy sponsoring the large conferences, you know, because when you've got large amounts of people, there's a lot more that, you know, it makes sense to invest in the sponsorship and, you know, a lot more fun things you can do. Um, but as I have, you know, as events have grown and I've, you know, I've worked in events in different industries, I have found that those small events, uh, like 100 people or less, are the places where I have seen greater success. Do you have a preference? Like, do you feel one works better than the other? Do you think it's a blend of both? Like, what's your opinion on sponsorship, small versus large? I think it I think it depends on how aligned the audience is to your ICP. So I usually avoid the larger events if they're covering too broad of a topic in marketing. Um, so for example, inbound is a great one. We're told all the time we should be at inbound. Why aren't you inbound? It's it's a great option for us, but they cover so much of marketing that the problems that people come to that event with that they're trying to solve, we may hit a percentage of that. Whereas some of the content focused events um, may be smaller. Um, and this one was more AI focused. That was 100 people. And this other one that we went to was around 2000 people. 
Um, and as long as the as long as the audience is as closely aligned to your ICP, I, I feel like the size matters a little bit less. Um, and sometimes it's hard to tell. Uh, so we'll typically sort of test out an event by sending reps ahead of time and let them talk for one year and let them talk with the audience, see what the interactions are like at the booths and does the content sort of match up. And it's kind of a good test run for us before investing. Um, Cause we don't have a ton of, of budget and that's that's typical of, of my history as well. So the events that you sponsor for those who, cause that's that also takes a big portion of your marketing budget. You wanna make sure yeah. that there's real alignment with that. And that's why that, that digital strategy matters on top of that to make sure that investment goes even farther. Um, I think the smaller events um, and even with bigger events, I always try to push for having a speaking, a speaking slot, whether it's organic and we apply before we sponsor and get a speaking slot with one of our co-founders, or if it's part of the um, part of the sponsorship, because that's going to have a dramatic impact on the awareness and driving that foot traffic to the booth too. Yeah, and that is I that is another thing that I have seen really effective. The times, because um, I have often been the speaker for my organizations and the times where I have had a speaking slot, it'll be that day, day and a half after that presentation that people will be consistently coming to the booth purposefully, you know, mm -hmm. not just, just wandering by. Mm -hmm. um, I know that you also mentioned that you have been on the other side of it in being the event host. Mm -hmm. um, how have you positioned your events so that they are effective for sponsors? Oh, it's so it's so hard. And mo more recently, we've done more virtual events. So been experimenting with that. And how do I really make sure that I drive value for these sponsorships, having been a sponsor myself, um, so that they would want to come back and sponsor again? Um, and a lot of that comes down to to the engagement and experience. You know, you can look at I think it's I think it's easiest to associate the leads that you get from an event and just do cost per lead and how, you know, how does that align? But there's so much more that you get from an event, both as a sponsor as an, and as an attendee um, and as the organizer. Um, and a lot of that comes down to relationships. Um, one of the one of the biggest takeaways that we have gotten from participating in these events is creating relationships with other speakers and other sponsors um, that create long lasting co-marketing partnerships and just increases our breadth in the industry. Um, and it's, that's, that's hard to measure. And as an event organizer, it's, it's, it's similar. And we saw that with our, with our virtual events. Um, it really opened up more doors with, with those speakers when they agreed to participate um, and and either supply video or in the past, if you're doing that in person, it just it creates a really long lasting um, a long lasting relationship that has that long term impact, and it connects you to the the industry more when you're when you're participating in those events. Yeah, I like that idea of thinking. So I have definitely experienced that where you know, some events, the the value is in the connections that you're making. You know, we sponsored a roadshow, I guess it's four years ago now with the pandemic years seem <laughs> so much time is so relative. Um, 
And there weren't a ton of leads that came out of, you know, that event, but there was some really strong alignment to some technology uh, partners, technology vendors, because we're a services company um, that really made the sponsorship worth it. And I think, you know, most people, when they are looking at the success of an event and putting that money in there, the goals that are put around the event, most marketers are only putting lead goals behind that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you can have a event sponsorship that appears to have been a flop. Like if I Mm -hmm. had looked at that three city tour that we did based purely on leads, I would have said it was a complete waste of time because the number of leads that came out of it based on what we spent did not at all pan out. Mm-hmm. But if I really step back and think about the connections that we made there, the other speaking opportunities we got, the partnership alignment where we were able to do some co-marketing or have some referrals, it's like it would be totally worth it. So mm-hmm. thinking about, you know, as we're we most of our listeners are marketing leaders, How would you encourage the CMO or head of marketing to reframe uh, goals around events? Yeah, and that's that's a huge a huge piece of it is is the goal. And of of course, you want to earn to earn your money back in some way, and that's where that value and and aligning with the value before the event starts. Maybe as you're signing that the agreement, here's what we're going to use this this event for. You could be tying it to a product launch and just letting people see see this new thing that you're that you're doing it could be focused on relationships it could be larger branding um, but defining that ahead of time is really important and we've moved we've moved away from leads and, and my team asks me what how many leads that they should get at the booth I'm like I'm less worried about the number of leads I'd rather have you have quality conversations with people and set set clear next steps so that when when we come back from the event, we know we know where that's going, and so we we actually have a really modest booth, and we don't we don't go big on we'll have tchotchkes and stuff because people that's that's you have to have that at events, but <laughs> but we don't usually go much bigger than that because you'll end up scanning people who have no intention of talking with you afterwards. Um, they're just there for for a a, a game or. Um, popcorn or, you know, which I've done. And we got tons of leads when we had popcorn because once you smell popcorn, you can't not eat popcorn. But the number of those that, that turned into meaningful conversations were pretty were pretty small. So I think really thinking about the outcome um, that you want, even if it's a certain amount of opportunity value, which is usually what we, what we focus on. Um, if you have X number of high quality conversations that have clear next steps, and even scheduling that time already on site, sometimes that's all you need, and you can you can two x that investment really quickly. So I I want to dig more into the thought process around the games or the popcorn, <laughs> um, and mainly because my experience has been similar but different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'll I'll give you an example. There was one event, huge sponsorship. The goal was, it was a product introduction that, you know, was really, this event was the first time it was really being pushed in the market. So there was a lot of coordinated effort around messaging and it was a huge event. So it was like, if you're going to be here, 
you know, get to see it first kind of messaging. And what we did was it was in Vegas. um, And so I mailed out company branded poker chips. So it was Mm -hmm. a, you know, it was a, a direct mail activation. And basically it said, come by the booth for a 10 minute demo and exchange this fake poker chip for an actual MGM casino poker chip, which is the the hotel we were in. And the poker chips ranged from $5 to $500. So you had the potential for that to get you 500 bucks. Mm -hmm. And the pushback that I got from sales, because we were mailing out, I don't know, let's say three, 400 of these things. Um, and it was presumed that a solid portion of these people were going to be at this event because it was kind of, you know, the event. So kind of like inbound in marketing is one of those it events, you know, Dreamforce, those sort of things. It was that kind of event for this industry. And so sales was like, oh, you're going to be sending us a bunch of crap people. We're just going to be doing a bunch of demos for people who were totally not interested, Like, you know, you're setting us up for failure. And, you know, I pushed forward anyway. And the what we did was the setup at the booth was really clear in, you know, we had them doing the demos kind of just constantly. So it wasn't like one on one. Um, And the call to action at the end was if this is actually piqued your interest, um, you know, put your, like, it was like a little ticket that you had that had your name and stuff on it. Uh, You know, put that in this box. If you just want to win your poker chip, put your little ticket in this box. So we had two clear boxes there. So anybody who wanted the poker chip could get the poker chip. And that's why I was walking around with the briefcase handcuffed (laughs) to my wrist. And, and, you know, it was a whole thing. And so they got to pick one, you know, and, and you got what you got. As a result of that, People who literally were just there for, you know, the chance to win some money, they put theirs in the box of I'm totally not interested. The salesperson didn't waste any time because there were always multiple people there watching the demo. And the people who put their little card, their little ticket in the other box were real leads. And they were more qualified than any other event. And so coming Mm -hmm. out of it, you know, and that's one great example, but I've done a lot of things just to get people there mm-hmm. and then had some way of discerning the, I just want your free stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I just smell popcorn and I need a snack <laughs> versus I'm actually interested. And so, cause I know, especially for large events where I have struggled most is you're in a sea of a bajillion booths. And I usually have always gone with the modest booth. So, you know, you've got this little corner of space in this huge um, area. And so for me, the popcorn, the games, you know, I, I did a prize vending machine, all of these different things were the thing that got people to stop, which in many cases was the only way to get people to pay attention. And Mm -hmm. so I'm really curious um, if, you know, those things that are really more the the stop here kind of efforts, how they've compared in your experience to when you have had just more the modest booth of, you know, harder to get attention 
if you still felt like that was more effective? Yeah, I well, first, that's, that's such an amazing idea, because you figured out how to get people to your booth, but taking that the step further and giving them their choose your own adventure. Um, because then you don't have to weed through because you see people scan, 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 when they have something that drives folks to the booth, but you you took that extra step of thinking about, well, how do we make sure that we know who's who's real? Um, and so I think that's that was brilliant. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Kudos. <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 tough. I mean, I would love to have the type of budget where you could really go big. Um, I haven't I haven't experienced that before, um, but I have seen ways and we've done a vending machine too where you had to tweet um that was when i was at gartner we ran an event you had to tweet and then you would get the prize and we ended up trending on twitter that day because people wanted these transit map socks you had to have the transit map socks um and i think i think there's a nice balance between between those because that's you can build those connections um through through those experiences but you can you also have to make sure you're adding value i think that's that's the biggest thing you can you can drive people to your booth in a really creative and fun and kind of goofy way, but it's the value piece at the end that that's really going to make a difference. So how do you how do you make sure that they have the intention of um, of connecting with you afterwards? What what additional value are you going to provide or promise after you got them to that booth and got their attention? Um, because sometimes as an attendee too, uh, you're a little scared. You're like, oh, I kind of want to go over there, but what, you know, what kind of conversation <laughs> am I going to get into? Because I'm definitely not in the market. You know, it's kind of thinking about it on both sides. Yeah, that is a good, and I've definitely seen that. The fact that we're consultants, um, you know, and consultants kind of get a bad rap. And so sometimes it's like, oh, I don't want to talk to the consultants. And it's like, we're friendly people. <laughs> we love consultants. So... <laughs> Um, but yeah, we have like, you know, our brand, we used to have consulting in our name. So when our logo was on stuff, um, it like, it literally just taking consulting out of the logo changed the amount of people who would stop at a booth. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, you know, it's an interesting phenomenon, but I won't go down, go down that path. So thinking about if, Head of marketing is evaluating whether event sponsorships should be a part of their marketing mix or not. What kind of criteria would you give them in evaluating, you know, events, packages, et cetera? Like, what's your advice for how to figure out if this is right for you and whether it can be a win? For sure. The, the ICP alignment is crucial. Um, if, if there's only a percentage, so if you really need the C-suite, if they're crucial, if they're crucial for your buying decision, you only want to talk with suites with the C-suite, but 20% of the audience is, is that group, um, as great as the event might be, and it has nothing to do with the quality of the event or, um, or the overall attendees there, it's, it's that alignment, um, and the presence at the event is really important. Um, I have 
I've, as I mentioned, the, the modest, um, the modest booth and modest presence is typically where we ended up. But more recently with that smaller event, we had um, a slightly higher level sponsorship and we were just everywhere to, and other people were talking about us by accident <laughs> and in their sessions. And we had a session, we were part of a round table um, to the point where people came up to our booth and like, we've heard you, we've heard your company mentioned enough at this event where I clearly just need to talk with you and understand what it is that you do. <laughs> so the branding is, um, I think it's, it's really understand. It comes back to really understanding what your goals are for the event and aligning the sponsorship to that. If you're looking to, to get eyeballs and just drive people to you, um, maybe the larger branding plays are, are more important. If you want really specific um, lead lists from your speaker session, that kind of, you know, and you're not worried about general eyes, that type of sponsorship may be more, more appropriate, or you find some other way to create an engaging um, experience with the with the attendees working with the vendors and with working with the organizers. And I think that's something that we kind of forget when we're sent this this media kit because there's a menu of what you can do, but a lot of times the organizers want to talk and get creative about um, what they can add to their event that would provide value for attendees and for the um, for the sponsors too. So we've we've started to have other conversations, especially when we've been a multi-year sponsor like all right we want to do something a little different what could this what could this look like um so just because something is on the sponsorship doesn't mean you're tied to that and also if you ask for first-time sponsors sometimes you can get a nice little a nice little discount ah a little little secret tip there <laughs> <laughs> it's worked for me and it's worked for me in the past <laughs> uh yeah because they really do want to get you into those multi year, you know, whether they have multi-year opportunities or just getting you to come back year over year uh, mm -hmm. is always key. It is. Um, and I do love that the, the thought process around what is your brand play? Um, because you're right. Like if the goal is just to get people to know you exist, then, you know, that big sponsorship where your name's on the lanyard and on the board and, you know, stamped into the pancakes at breakfast like those are you know the things that do make sense um and if that's not your goal then those sponsorships are are less advantageous so icp and ops to brand sound like the two things that are your key criteria for evaluating an event mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. awesome um, well, talking about our challenges, just first step and nothing changes if nothing changes. So understanding that that's what we're looking for. Um, you know, in traditional therapy, the therapist gives the client some homework. But here at Revenue Rehab, we flip that on its head and ask you to give us some homework. Uh, so for those uh, marketing leaders that are listening, can you give us that one thing? What is the one action, the one takeaway that you would like to give to our audience? Yeah, I'll lean in more to the, the ICP element. You can, if you go back to your previous lead list from your, your events, or you could ask potential events that you're considering for a sample, either a sample list or just titles and companies um, or a title and location. Um, they'll they'll usually provide that because that shows that there's you're further down the funnel. 
and analyze that against what your real ICP is. When I did that with one event, um, I found that really only 30% of their audience was applicable to us, even though it was the event to go to. Um, so I'm not going to invest. I'm not going to invest in that because I need it to be. I need that to be higher for us to to dedicate that that budget. So it's really it's it's sort of beyond the um, beyond the general the general. This is a great event. Our people are there, but really thinking the percentage of, of those who are most likely to convert and those that are are most aligned to you. So really dig deep on on the ICP and ask those tough questions of the organizers because they're more likely to to help and provide that information um, in order to get you in. Okay, so our one thing is look at an event that you are considering sponsorship for um, or that you know you think could be a good opportunity and dig deep on their past attendee list to figure out if that event is within your ICP. Uh, and so there's our one thing, whether you decide to sponsor or not, whole different conversation, but at least go ahead and do that due diligence. Um, I appreciate that as an action item. Um, and Elizabeth, I have enjoyed our discussion, but that's our time for today. Thank so you thank so much. You so much for joining me. I appreciate it. I love talking events, um, you know, especially topics I've got strong opinions on. Uh, <laughs> are always great episodes for me. Um, and so thanks to everyone who has joined us today. I hope that you have enjoyed my conversation with Elizabeth. I can't believe that we're at the end. See you next time. You've been listening to Revenue Rehab with your host, Brandy Starr. Your session is now over, but the learning has just begun. Join our mailing list and catch up on all our shows at RevenueRehab.live. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Revenue Rehab. This concludes this week's session. We'll see you next week.